Warm-ups, not really, but when I woke up this morning, I was feeling pretty dangerous. I care to expand on that. Gosh, woke up feeling real dangerous. <laughs> All right, guys, welcome to the Oklahoma Breakdown Podcast, brought to you guys by SB Nation's Crimson and Cream Machine. I'm your host, Kami Amarabi, and along with Jack Shields, you guys can find us on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play Podcast, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, and anywhere else. Give us a five-star review. And just, you know, it just makes us easier to find when you're looking for podcasts for Sooner fans and people that, like, want to hear in-depth sort of analysis of just things we talk about when we ramble. Right? And it's just a nice thing to do. Yeah, it's, it's a good thing to you do. You can feel good about yourself. I mean, the Oklahomies are pretty nice people. Would you agree? Uh, 99%, yeah. For the most part, Oklahomans are pretty cool. Um, but, man, it is almost October. It feels like it, it feels like fall weather outside, definitely finally getting there finally the heat lingered it does longer than it needed to this summer yeah it's been brutal but uh you know but it, it started later too i'm, I'm wearing a, summer i'm wearing a hoodie right now and i can go outside and feel just 100 fine and not just sweat i'm wearing jeans i mean yeah jean season but so you know we're, we're getting into fall like real fall football Pumpkin weather spice shit oh yeah are you gonna get the pumpkin spice spam? Have you seen that? What the hell? Yeah, it's a thing. No. You can only get it online. <laughs> I'm not gonna do that. What? I am not gonna do that. Don't say it. To and I, see, I'm gonna uh, come out and say this. I do like spam. If you grill oh, it, if you grill yeah. it, no, gr- it's grilling pretty it for good. a breakfast. It's good. Yeah, it's good. It's good. Uh, pumpkin's a little too far. Yeah, maybe not, not doing that. Um, Absolutely not. It's funny because one day my fiance's in the other room, like hanging up shelves. At, we're at my house, and she comes home one day and she's like, "Guess what time it is?" And I was like, "Uh, four forty-five." <laughs> and she was, she held her Starbucks cup in front of me, and it was a pumpkin spice latte. I was like, "Oh God!" And then I go to my sister's house last night or the night before, I don't know, just to play games. You know that you know Cards Against Humanity. Yeah. There's a new game out that's just like that called, like, What's Your Meme or whatever. Have you heard of that? No, I have not. Basically, it seems annoying. It's basically just like Cards Against Humanity, except instead of playing a card that you have to respond to, there's a big picture of a meme. They're pretty good. Most of them are very, like, you know, you would recognize pretty much all of them that you respond to. It's like, you know, Pepe the Frog uh, sitting on a bed look, reading the book uh, called titled Reasons to Live, and then, like, you know, then you would play a card like, oh, um, you're at an orphanage and somebody adopted a mouse named Stuart Little over you. Interesting. It's pretty good. So. It, it seems, <laughs> yeah, okay. I, I, I'm I'm coming around. But we went to my sister's house and she's also decked out in pumpkin and pumpkin spice. It's the, it's these Oklahoma women, man. They love the pumpkin spice. And if you're a man that loves it, that's okay. It reminds me of that, that meme that came out a little bit ago. It was, uh, what was it, Christian Girl Autumn or something like that? It was yeah. like a response to uh, uh, Hot Girl Summer. Yeah. That was pretty funny. It's good times. But, man, week so far. It's it's Tuesday night. This thing's going to be released Wednesday. It's a good week for game week. It, it feels like it was weird going this past Saturday not having a game that I thought was important. It was like, okay, let's watch the OSU-Texas game, right? And which we saw little brother A&M, little brother Aggie, Oklahoma A&M, Oklahoma State, saw them just shoot themselves in the foot several times. Should have won that game. like, other than, yeah, they looked kind of good. 
other than you know, obviously the mistakes they had, but I mean yeah. they they clearly have a ton of firepower offensively. I mean they're going to be dangerous. Spencer Sanders but... looks like Mr. Tumnus from the Lion Witch in the Wardrobe. <laughs> don't at me. <laughs> he does. <laughs> I put I put the side by side. Gundy had his share of brain farts as he typically does in big games. Gundy tucks his he Gundy tucks his joggers like his his jacket into his underwear like on the sideline. That guy is a grade A buffoon, but has somehow made OSU relevant. On See, the yeah, it, it's Oklahoma State alumni. They're so frustrated with him at times, and I'm just like guys. You have never been this relevant for this long yeah. in the history of your program. And it's not even close. Just write it out. Just come to terms with the fact that your coach is a bit of a rube. But you're successful. You're not going to beat OU very often, but you're at least going to win nine, ten games. People are going to fill the stadium or come close to filling the stadium. They don't really yeah. fill the they stadium. They don't fill that stadium. Yeah, they it's, not that, it's not even that big. What was it, 60,000? Yeah, and it's backed up to Gallagher-Iba Arena. So it's like... There's like the nothing. There's nothing there. Yeah, but you know it is what it is. Like they don't even fill it for Bedlam. Oklahoma fans buy those tickets. Yeah, I mean, and they have like way too much premium seating, and they charge way too much for the tickets. Like their tickets are more expensive than OU's, right. which is absurd because the product isn't as good. That's true. But how's your week been going though? It's been good. I worked a lot over the weekend, like six a.m. Mm-hmm. to six p.m. shifts. But like, so I had to watch uh, like ESPN Plus on my computer and stuff like that. And I pay for ESPN Plus and it didn't work. So, What do you mean you, it didn't work? just didn't work. Streaming <laughs> didn't work. The internet was fine. Okay. But the streaming didn't work. It, oh. just, it just like said, hey, can't play it. Can't play in this area, yeah. buddy. Uh, That's interesting. Upsetting, for sure. I'd be upset Because I was you know, just sitting at my desk. And you, you paid for that service. Exactly. It's cheap, though. Yeah, it's five bucks. But whatever, I'm not gonna vent. But my my big moment this week was uh, upgrading my phone to the new iOS, and that we were we were playing with right before we got on the podcast. Seems cool. I don't know if I would use that feature where you slide your yeah. finger. So I feel like I'm just gonna old man hunt and peck for the rest of my life. If you are an Android listener, you're gonna think this is hilarious. My very first smartphone was an Android, and they've had the whole swipe technology, texting, whatever since the beginning. And uh, so one of the one of the new updates on the iOS is that you can swipe to text now, and that's really. I mean, th- there's dark mode, but my phone already had a black background anyway, so like I that that part isn't new, and it looks different. It looks sleeker and stuff like that. But I'm sure I, I need to look at the spec specs on it just to see what else is different. But that's my big thing that so far. But bigger things in Oklahoma football this week, right? Yeah, I mean. Talking about getting some guys back, talking about guys transferring, talking about people getting drunk. Uh, <laughs> just, just a Kickers. bunch. I like my kicker thing. to party, dude. That's awesome, right? I mean, I don't. I mean, you you like a little bit of piss and vinegar at the position. It's true. Cybert it, had a little bit of like, that. Do you? It reminds me of the replacements. You remember that movie with Keanu? Reeves? Oh yeah, dude. They had he's the guy wiry. He, he's wiry. It's, it's like wiry. No, wiry. I that's I love that movie. Very he's, quotable. From, he's from Scotland and Callum, Wales. Callum Sutherland from is Wales. from uh, Sutherland is from Scotland. Scotland. He was born oh, in Scotland right, and right. then moved to here Texas. like a few years into his life. But Just not saying. he wasn't even there as long as like Tom Wart was in England. But it's in the blood. It's in the blood. Yeah. But let's talk about it. So bye week news kind of like 
leaked out early that Trajan Bridges was being tried at safety slash nickel. And um, people were like, okay, why are the coaches having them do this? Because that's that was the initial reaction was, why are the coaches having Trajan Bridges, a five-star wide receiver, who had been play playing all right yeah, yeah, at receiver. Right. And doing well in kickoff coverage. Yeah. And then it comes out, oh, he approached Lincoln Riley himself about playing safety. And I'm like, okay, hold up. This this puts a totally different narrative on this situation because you're not going to go to your five-star wide receiver and say, hey, you're switching to defense now. That's not what you do if you're Lincoln Riley. That's not what you not. do as a head coach. You risk alienating a lot of people. You could, you could ask him, say, hey, how would you feel about this? But the fact that the narrative is indeed Trajan Bridges approached Lincoln Riley, not the other way around, that changes the narrative. So Trajan Bridges approaches Lincoln Riley, moving to safety slash nickel. What's that say about the DB situation, and what do you think about the entire thing? Well, first of all, obviously, we've been talking about this a long time. Quality depth of that that position is as low as any other position on the team, probably by a lot. Mm-hmm. Like, not even very close. But at the same time, there are parts of it that do make sense. He's lengthy. He's like 6'1". Mm-hmm. He's athletic. He's physical. He's aggressive. You saw that on kickoff coverage. Yeah. He's someone who, if you gave him time to develop... He would probably be a very natural safety in Alex Grinch's defense. Mm-hmm. He sort of checks off all of Grinch's boxes. Yeah. At the same time, that's a position with a very big learning curve. Definitely. So expecting him to contribute right away is asking a bit too much. Yeah, that's, that's fair. So, I mean, and he's getting snaps at receiver. Not too many in the first half, but he's, he's making some appearances in the first half. And next year... You're losing C.D. Lamb, so he's going to get a lot more snaps on the outside. So he's a year away from being a major contributor at wide receiver. At the same time, his ceiling is really high at safety if he were to make that move. I don't. Do you think he's? This is going to stick. I kind of don't think it will. But what if I told you Lincoln Riley is never playing checkers? And he's of the Sam Presti variety that when people are zigging, he has already zagged like five times. And that Lincoln Riley is playing 3D chess, not only on the football field, but with the minds of other people in the conference. And that, yeah, I'm sure there there are rumors of Trajan Bridges playing safety. And let's say he's the first wide receiver to trot out on the field along with your C.D. Lamb and along with a Grant Calcaterra. Um and uh, at the Red River Shootout. This is kind of like what we talked about with Hazelwood. Yeah. How Would that you're just going to unleash all? the beast Would that at surprise the perfect you? time. Not necessarily. It wouldn't surprise me at all. I'm not si- Well, he's not like throwing out a distraction here. I mean, right. it, this, w- this really was Bridges' idea. Yeah. But... I'm sure, well, I'm sure they announced it as it was Trajan Bridges' idea. Here's my deal. Okay. <laughs> he could play this year... 100% full go as a good wide receiver in this system. He'd be great. He'd be fine. Uh, as, we, we've, as we saw in the spring game, you know, as we've seen flashes of him during the actual regular season games and when he's gotten in the games. At the same time, if he took, because, I mean, it's only three games in the season, he could still technically redshirt, and Lincoln Riley had something to say about redshirting today, which we'll talk about later. But he could seemingly... Red shirt for the rest of the year, 
Although, albeit his dad probably wouldn't be too happy, but his dad Jack is supportive of it because of this, the way he's been on Twitter and the things he's liking, etc. Responding, you redshirt him, train him, and let him work in the defensive, uh, in the defensive war room. You get him redshirted, and then get him in the system to be a safety over the winter, spring, and fall. You can't tell me he's not a prime candidate to be a very good player oh, of course. next year. And they called his coach over at Hebron in Texas and said um, he played safety for them at several spots last year. And he's he's a five-star wide receiver. But what we need to know is that he's a five-star talent, a dynamic, explosive athlete that Oklahoma has not had at safety for quite some time. It was supposed to be Robert Barnes, but it's not. And then he broke his leg. Yeah. So And Stephen Parker, reliable. Mm-hmm. Not an explosive athlete. Not dynamic in that fashion. When, who's the last explosive, dynamic safety prospect Oklahoma's had? I think Reggie Smith. Yeah, and he should have been a corner, though. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> they kept dicking him around. They wouldn't let him stay in one position, and it sort of hurt his learning curve, and he never became that dominant force. So, t- Is Tony Jefferson? Yeah, Tony Jefferson was a good athlete. But, but he, would, uh, he would be a different style of safety. Yeah, he would be. But see, the beauty of all of this is if that it... If it doesn't work at safety next year, he could easily just transition back to wide receiver. Yeah, he's already exactly. up to speed. Yeah, he knows. So And he's learning the offense, and he knows. And it's just people are like, well, changing a wide receiver and going to safety? Like, how can he be successful changing sides of the ball? It's like, okay, there's been several players that have changed sides of the ball. Even some of the best and most highly uh, picked Guys in the draft changed positions. Uh, hello, Lane Johnson. Yeah, was once a quarterback, then a tight end, then an offensive tackle. Andre Wolfolk, who played wide receiver like every year until a senior, played cornerback, got drafted in the first round by the Tennessee Titans. Lendy Holmes is another. Lendy one. Holmes is another one. Um, oh, Jamal Brown. Uh huh. Yeah, he played D line, and he goes and plays. He was a big recruit as a defensive line. Yeah, and then he goes and plays offensive line. Is was a mainstay with the Saints for the longest time, and. Big, really important guys. Just like there have been lots of guys that have switched positions that have done just fine. And if he's that caliber of athlete that people say he is, I wouldn't be worried about it regardless. But I think what this says about the situation of Trajan Bridges going up to Lincoln Riley is he recognizes, yo, the team is struggling in this specific area. I'm going to sacrifice what I have going on at the wide receiver position because I know I can be better than they can be. What's that make? How how does that make you feel? Well, how does it make Pat Fields and TTY feel? (laughs) So like I I read a story, the backups, I I read the story today by the OU daily. I can't remember. If I remember who, I can't remember who they had some, those two had some good quotes in a number of articles. I mean, they seem supportive of the whole thing. Whoever put out the OU daily today, I'm sorry, I'm forgetting your name. But they had some good quotes on on Delarian Turner Yale and some Pat Fields, and they're like, "Hey, what about Trajan Trajan Bridges?" And you know, Delarian Turner Yale was really shocked to see him in the DB war room. He's like, "Whoa, what?" And then Patrick Fields has some great things to say about him about about Trajan Bridges' mental toughness. So, like, you know. Hey, when, those two have had to take pretty much every rep at safety. They'd, yeah. they'd like to be spelled a little bit, probably. And Alex Grinch, when he says, yo, I'm not pleased with the safeties, people are like, okay, Alex, you're not pleased with anything. And then we're three weeks you into the season. You were lying about the safeties. Three weeks into the season, he says, I'm not pleased about the safeties. He's like, 
okay, he's not kidding. He really isn't pleased. <laughs> you know, he really isn't pleased about the safeties. Um, and you just gotta. I really appreciate Trajan Bridges for willing to step up. And it's not a it's not a me situation. It's a team situation. And you gotta love that as a coach, a fan, a player, uh, a, a teammate. You have to love everything about that. Absolutely. Kenneth Mann, supposedly supposed to be cleared for this week. Whether or not he comes back this week, I don't know. Because we haven't seen him on the sidelines in shorts and pads or whatever. He has been, he's been absent. But this week they said he's cleared to go. And he's not getting that starting job back. No, he's not. He not from not Ronnie Perkins. But in this defense, really, like st- the difference between starting and doing spot duty is like 15 snaps. Exactly, yeah. As much as Grinch rotates those yeah. guys. Especially the defensive line where he has he has the ability to, right? In the defensive backfield, uh, he doesn't necessarily have that luxury. But you look at the defensive line, dude, just shuffle in a crap ton of play. You can do different combinations now. You can go on a 4-3 and feel 100% comfortable with Ronnie Perkins, Kenneth Mann somewhere. Jalen Redmond somewhere, Laurent. So like it's 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 nice to say that you know. Yeah, and I mean, he's going back most likely to a situation where he's going to be playing situationally. Yeah, in certain certain situ- I'm not being very articulate here, but anyway, um, that's sort of how it was in 2017 for him, and he was effective when he came in. That's right. Last year he was more of a full time starter, and he kind of underwhelmed a little bit. And that was, now he's going back to that was the narrative. He, yeah, of course. We're like yeah, in spot duty in certain places. He's a he's a lightning spark. That guy, he can really do some damage in spot duty. But as a full time starter, he's not going to be effective, especially if he's running seventy snaps a game. And Alex Grinch has made it known, like, yo, we're not going to play football that way. And Lincoln Riley has changed his kind of approach to the game as far as you know what. I think the days of us snapping the ball ninety times a game are over, or not not maybe over, but we're going to bring it back a little bit. Because to help the defense, and if you're rotating that many guys in, I mean, it works well. So I think that you have the luxury of a lot of depth along the defensive front, so that obviously makes it a lot easier. So, and I think, I mean, Kenneth Mann in that new role, I mean, lining up to whoever it is, Laron Stokes, Jalen Redmond, like, dude, your job is so easy. And you're spelling Ronnie Perkins, you know? So there's going to be a variety of fronts that are probably going to be really available to you. And that's exciting. Now, we'll talk about the tech thing later, but it's just, I'm disappointed. But we'll talk about it. Most notably, something going on. Another transfer quarterback. And all the media diverted their... This has been idiot bait. (laughs) All all the media has diverted their attention and their eyes to Norman, Oklahoma. I'm being like, well, I expect Oklahoma to get a look at it. I'm like, dude, shut up. Like, okay. Oklahoma. People who don't know who Spencer Rattler is. There are a lot of national media people who cover college football who do not know who he is, and they're like, oh, well, Oklahoma's going to take a transfer, blah, blah, blah. No, they're not taking De'Eric King. But what if they did? <laughs> <laughs> He'd be good. So here's any- But you're not going to risk alienating your golden goose, Spencer Rattler. Yeah, and golden goose part two in Brock Vander. Exactly. And it's just like, my initial knee-jerk reaction is to just completely blast these guys like Barrett Sally on Twitter and be like, are you dumb? Like, they have Spencer Rattler, who pushed quite a bit in camp to be a starter. If he was there in the spring, they might not even take Jalen Hurts. He's so good. 
Yeah, absolutely. He's going to be a very good quarterback at Oklahoma. And Brock Vandergriff, same thing. He probably thing. could be right now. Exactly. He would be very effective right now. And, um, But at the same time, my knee-jerk reaction, although it is to blast these people, is to also say, you know, can I blame them? Baker Mayfield, Kyler Murray. We thought we were getting – we – Oklahoma people thought we were like, oh, Texas A&M. They got two transfer quarterbacks in the market, and they're both and they're both looking at Oklahoma. Like, oh, looks like Kyle Allen's coming to Oklahoma. Nope, just kidding. We're flip flopping him. Uh, Kyle Murray's coming to Oklahoma, and we're like, well, this is an early Christmas present. Thank you, and that was the best. So you get Baker, Kyler, and then you get Jalen. So you get three guys. Two of them very highly touted. The other one, like what offensive. Newcomer Offensive, of the year, yeah, something like that. And Baker Mayfield, yeah. And uh, I mean, so they've had you know what five, Bake played for three years, Kyler for one, and then Jalen for five years of transfer quarterback stuff. So can you bl- half a decade? Can you blame the media if you're being like, well, he was at Oklahoma and uh, it's hey, low hanging fruit. Lincoln Riley had, and they love low hanging fruit. Yeah. So let them have it, <laughs> and we can correct them on Twitter. Let's say Which we transfer. have been doing. Let's say he does transfer to Oklahoma. How, how successful could he be? He could win a Heisman Trophy. Is he better than Khalil Tate at Arizona? He's a better thrower. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, I mean, is he going to transfer to Oklahoma? No. But is the thought just there to have it be thought provoking to where I'm interested? Yes. But no, he's not going to Oklahoma. No. But it's an interesting thought, and like you said, it's looking. I've for- been thinking about. I mean. Wait, I'm trying to think. Like uh, Alabama could maybe be interested in him. Alabama well, theoretically, they they, they got uh, don't they have oh, Tua's younger oh, brother though? Tua's younger brother, not in the fold yet, but they have Tua, and then Clemson wouldn't like it because I mean they've got Lawrence and DJ Ugo from yeah. Bosco. Uh, but yeah, I mean it's intriguing. But he said he's he said he's set on Houston and Daniel Holgerson. That could like changed like, yeah I mean, it, it's... it could 100 so what was this or was it early sunday morning after the after the games that weren't even being played in norman that callum Calum sutherland is arrested for public intoxication on a bye week was he arrested on the bye week right yeah, yeah. so good weekend for Calum sutherland or callum whoever you want to say uh riley says they're gonna handle that thing internally my real question is, does anybody care? Nope. And why I bet is that? For like, I bet for like 30 minutes, I bet he got a little talking to, said, hey, don't be stupid. Yeah. And now they're probably making fun of him in the football offices. That's probably what's happening right now. I would be willing to bet. I think the arrest happened like mid-morning. Like, yeah. Or not like mid-morning, but like middle of the early morning like 3 a.m 4 a.m yes, something like yeah. that i would be willing and he didn't to... run he didn't run a lot of course a lot who, who who ran baker. one time well besides baker oh uh, jordan thomas jordan thomas jordan that's who thomas yeah he ran he jumped, times, fence, he jumped a fence he jumped the logies fence didn't he mm-hmm. yeah that's impressive yeah it is impressive but okay he didn't run he just took it and said yeah i'm a kicker i would be willing to bet like because of that timing once he got out mm-hmm. of jail, I would be willing to bet that Benny Wiley did mm. not allow him to sleep off his hangover. That's correct. I bet he... Stadium stairs, bro. Yeah. Stadium Or whatever stairs. else that entails. I don't even want to know. 
that that is stadium stairs and nobody cares and people are like oh, oh oklahoma player public in talks it's like hashtag college kickers it's a kicker you know like it's a kicker nobody cares so we're just kind of move on to the riley presser riley noted something that i thought was pretty intriguing he said that oklahoma has played some fantastic players dear king dear king and to an extent, DTR from what we saw against Wazoo. When he gets protection, he's a nice quarterback. He and really is. So they played. He some, obviously didn't have that against OU. Yeah, and like Houston's collection of talent, wide receivers, running back, and quarterback, very good. Um, Oklahoma's played some fantastic players up to this point, but not necessarily fantastic teams. And getting in the Big Twelve play, you will face that. Um, Although not in these first two games. Is that coach speak or is he being honest with you? He's being honest. That that checks out. And. What teams in the Big 12 are you going to be playing that are legitimate team matchups to where you don't where you can't focus your attention on one to two players in the Big 12 Texas maybe OSU Who Kansas else? State looks pretty sharp K-State looks good they look like traditional K-State football just renewed you know what I mean like, Yeah like rejuvenated like, you know what I mean because the last few years they haven't ass. been Yeah it's like you go to the doctor and got a B12 injection in your butt and that's K-State again. So K-State reborn out of the ashes of just K-State football. They look good. Disciplined, athletic, execution. These are the words you used to say. I still think Iowa State's going to be pretty good. Hey, they beat Louisiana Monroe. They scored 70 on them. They had like a 40-point discrepancy there. TCU, Florida State had a one-point discrepancy. TCU's quarterback discussion is not good. It's not good. No. I feel bad for Jalen Rager. Should have been a Sooner, but at the same time, if he was, was Hollywood Brown would not be a Sooner. So there's that trade-off. That's one of the more intriguing questions in OU. Recent which OU which would you rather have, Jalen Rager or Marquise Brown? See, you'd get three years of Rager. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So, I don't know. I, I mean, love Hollywood, so regardless, whatever. Regardless, you got dynamic wide, wide receiver play, and you're still going to get it. But, I mean, Oklahoma... I thought he's just he. I thought he was just really interesting. That Lincoln Riley made sure to make a note of we played good individual players, but we're about to go forth with t- playing team ball now. Like, ooh, that's interesting. Why you would say that? And he also brought up defensive recruits, and I thought it was interesting because this is something that I've been preaching for the past however many podcasts. Like, yes, the recruits are backing off. Yes, the recruits aren't there yet. And, the, you know, all the guys that have been Oklahoma recruits previously that were defensive backs, a lot of them decommitted, right? And, Dante Manning, yeah. Yeah, and I'm just thinking, you know, I'm not too worried right now. He didn't, Dante Manning didn't commit anywhere because a lot of these defensive players are taking what I think most likely would to be happening, which appears to be happening, a wait-and-see approach on this Lincoln-Riley defense, on this Alex Grinch defense. because So like, far, they haven't dropped the ball in like, that regard, though. You, know, you can preach it all day, but unless, if you're give, still giving up historic numbers in Norman or on the road, then nothing's changed. But it's getting to the point where Dante Manning is like, I need, I need to make a return visit to Norman. I'm intrigued. They're in. They're 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 coming back into the fold. As far as like, you know, the speedy thing might be real, and like they can say, hey, we've made a leap here, 
And with you, we can make the even bigger leap the next year. And so it's it's good. You know, so far, the defense, S&P, I believe they're ranked in the uh, upper 40s mm-hmm. uh, because of this past weekend they didn't play. They're other... seventh and third down defense, which is huge compared to last what? year. What? So you mean you get pressure on the quarterback and force a Weird bad Weird how throw? that works. That's crazy, man. And you just don't do play a two-gap scheme. And just, like, let the quarterback just see over you. I hate you, Mike Stoops. I hope you're enjoying your coffee job at Alabama, getting Nick Saban his coffee. Make sure two, two Splend is light cream, light cream, buddy. What do you think Mike Stoops and Butch Jones talk about? Is Butch Jones still at Alabama being an intern? I believe so. Yeah. I don't think what they a talk. I don't think, I don't think they talk that much. I think they probably just, like, sit around and make, like, caveman noises to each other. Garb. Pretty much. They both just, like, sit there and get red in the face. Yeah. Uh, oh, what was that thing that Butch Jones said? Champions of life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, champions of life. When Better getting, than most. When you're getting Nick Saban his coffee in the morning and stuff like that, it's real good stuff. Um, but yeah, the defense it has for recruits. It has been a wait and see approach, and we'll talk about that in a little bit later. But I, I'm like I'm saying, yeah, they haven't done anything to hurt that effort so oh, far. Oh, definitely they, not. They've looked good. I mean, five turnovers through two games, and they had eleven total last year. Like what? And yeah, five. All of those have come in the last two games. Too. Yeah. So I mean, you can see that the ball is rolling at this point. And they're looking for the ball, and you're having to. Jalen Redmond's over here splitting freaking triple teams and being violent, and it's the kind of defensive football that you're like, okay, yeah, I'm into this. Like they are violently getting upfield and doing it's some. Fun damage. to watch as a fan too. Oh my god, it really is. I, I I have stopped paying attention to the back four or five. And I straight up, I'm just looking at the front seven. Because it never really comes to the back four. Yeah. yeah. And it's just like, oh my God, they just tried to double team Ronnie Perkins. And now there's a sack. And it's just like, it's so amazing to see Oklahoma go from two gap to one gap. Because people want to talk about it all summer. Like, oh, you're playing up the two gap, one gap scheme too much. No, it's a big deal for guys like this at Oklahoma that we knew. These are four-star guys. Neville Gallimore was a big recruit coming out of yeah. high school. These are four-star guys, some fringe five-star guys. They're really, really good dynamic athletes, and you let them run loose, they can be good. These aren't the two- and three-star kids at Wazoo that Alex Grinch got them to like the 19th best defense in the country regarding SNP. And these are, you saw how much they've declined defensively. Of course, two right? Years. I mean, holy hell. And so it's just like people are taking notice. National media is taking notice. Kirk Herbstreit, when we talked to him, is taking notice. Everybody's noticing what it is, but then we have a bated breath for Big 12 play. Texas Tech coming to Norman. Jet Duffy. I think I think OU will be okay. And not Alan Bowman, <laughs> right? So, hey, we're going to talk about that game in Norman along with this big recruiting weekend kind of going on uh, right after the break. All right, Jack, this Saturday, Oklahoma Oklahoma Sooners versus the Texas Tech Red Raiders in Norman. 11 a.m. kickoff, early birds on Fox. Oklahoma is a 27-point favorite after, I think, you talked about maybe 22-point favorite opening. 23.5, I think it opened, yeah. Um, Biggest storyline, though, before I said for the break, is that, you know, this this was supposed to be Oklahoma's first real test, Big 12 Alan Bowman um, can ball. I mean, he's a decent quarterback. He's a great quarterback for that, especially for that system. And we're thinking, you know, Houston Cougars, Oklahoma, they'll get by them. They have dynamic athletes, but they have the line. South Dakota, South Dakota, 
UCLA stinks, and then we saw what happened in the Rose Bowl, what they did against Washington State, and we're like, you know what? Texas Tech, not a bad team. They could probably make a bowl game. Their offense is always really, really well-tuned, but their defense is always garbage, so Oklahoma usually ends up winning that game if they can't, if they don't turn the ball over. Their defense has been pretty okay, actually, it's been okay. up to this point. It's been okay. Holding I mean, Arizona to 28 points when your offense isn't doing anything, Yeah, Arizona, that, that's not bad. Arizona's also bad. Not offensively, though. They're bad. They're a bad team, but, I mean, they have Cleo Tate. That's true. They can score on people. They're a shitty team. They held UTEP to three. Texas Tech. Yeah. And that's been, that's just, it's just different. But anyway, yeah, their defense has been a little bit better. The biggest storyline, which is disappointing to me, is no Allen Bowman. I wanted to see this Oklahoma Sooners team against, all right, all right they say, all right, this speed D, it's taking steps forward. Well, is it really? Show me against Texas Tech when they play Allen Bowman and the Red Raiders because he can sling it everywhere. Short routes, intermediate routes, long routes. That that route tree is designed to make simple throws into simple areas in zones, and they will make your defensive backs furious. And um, turns out he's made of glass. He's hurt. It's not even leaky lung this time. Yeah. It's a, what is it, shoulder? I think shoulder. Got a broken wing. Uh, but now you've got Jet Duffy. So here's the deal. Jet Duffy is presumably the starter, but their coach, Matt Wells, that we saw at Big 12 Media Days, said, you know, Jet Duffy's likely a de facto guy, but you're going to see more than likely, and they, they came out with a, with a report about this yesterday or today or something like that, Duffy will start and get the majority of the snaps, but Jackson Tyner... A transfer from Rice will see some spot duty. So you will see both quarterbacks this Saturday. How does that make you feel? I need to see a little more of Jackson Tyner. He didn't play much at Rice. Yeah, so <laughs> I'm not that worried. <laughs> Jet Duffy's going to be the guy that runs your read options and kind of scrambles, whereas Jackson Tyner's going to be your guy that's going to actually just sling the ball is basically what I've gathered from watching video. So you're going to know what you're going to get when you have Siege quarterback out on the field, essentially. It's true, but has that stopped Oklahoma? Has it stopped uh, opposing offenses through this defense in the past? No. Because remember not. remember last year's Tech game? Oklahoma got down early because Kyler threw two horrible interceptions in Lubbock. But they did become one-dimensional in the second half when Jet Duffy came in and the defense kind of did well. They got three and outs and stuff like that. Well, they they got three and outs for like the first three possessions yeah. because like it was one like, okay. Then you know, they started throwing deep and becoming a little more dynamic, and so Jet, they weren't as predictable. And then Duffy then started just throwing bombs in Oklahoma and just like throwing lame ducks in the over the middle of the defense. Would have been intercepted if they turned around. Yes, that's correct. But you know, you know, time, time is a uh, hindsight's twenty twenty. But Jet Duffy, after his first three drives, because he was bad, and Oklahoma made them look foolish. Like uh, Oklahoma's got this game in the bag, and they still remain competitive throughout the rest of the game. And uh, I really, you know, I'm just I'm bummed out. I expect Oklahoma to win this game. Do I know? If, do I think they'll cover the spread? I don't know yet. I, I don't think they will. I think part of that is because you see so much rotation late in the game. I could see a backdoor cover happening yeah. here. I wouldn't put money on it. I mean, could I see Oklahoma 52-27 and just making it even? I could see that easily. But could I also see Oklahoma 52-35? I could see that or easily too. I mean, it, it, Texas Tech, their offense is designed to score points. Duh, any offense is. But their, design, their offense is designed to be wide open to score easy points. 
So I'm just I'm disappointed that we're not going to get to see the real deal, Alan Bowman, Texas Tech, to see what the Oklahoma defense, especially, you know, Kenneth Murray, um, whether it's going to be Ryan Jones or Deshaun White controlling the airwaves over the middle of the defense, along with Buki and along with Trey Brown, Jaden Davis, um, and you're not going to see really Delarian Turner yell, and you're not going to see Pat Fields be tested as much as they would if an Alan Bowman would. Now, at the same time, do we really want to see Delarian Turner yell and Patrick Fields tested? No. <laughs> not right it's going to be better for my stress levels this way, yeah. I'll say that. But, you know, those are things Because that... Tech would probably give OU a bit of a game, at least for two oh, or three yeah. quarters if I... they had Bowman. It's just, it's just things that they keep you up at night, and... and um, Alex Grinch mentioned that he's got to coach better. He's got to coach those guys better. He said they're doing all right. They're not doing that great, but he's got to coach them better so they can be better. So I do like that. The staff is not shy on saying, hey, we just, you know, they got to be better. Like Mike Soups, remember, I remember him saying, oh, well, they got to be better. They got to be better in those spots. And Alex Grinch is in this staff is saying, no, we have to coach them better so they can understand better. And I like the attitude uh, because it's it's a leadership from the top down. They all understand what's going on. So, but the real question here is: Will the Texas Tech folks in Lubbock ever let the Mayfield stuff go? They no. Had, they had Pat. They, they have to cling to stuff like that. They had Patrick Mahomes, who I think is actually better than Baker Mayfield. Yeah, absolutely. I would take Pat. Uh, this is gonna be blasphemy. I'm it's sorry, true. But I would take Pat Mahomes <laughs> over Baker Mayfield. Yeah. In the pros and college. Yeah. You put Pat Mahomes. If you, I, I, without hesitation, yeah. If you flip-flop them, and Baker Mayfield has a great career at Tech, and Pat Mahomes has a great year, a great career at OU, Pat Mahomes still, still wins that Heisman. Baker Mayfield, does he get drafted as highly? No. Well, maybe, but probably not. He probably gets drafted in the middle rounds, but they see probably the same success, I would think. But almost, Baker gets a shot, I would say. I would say he would get a shot, too. But and just, he would... He would, I, this is a weird thing to say, but I feel like Baker Mayfield, the way he was with improvising and stuff like that, he might have led Texas Tech to a better record than what yeah. Mahomes did. Because ba- Mahomes had a 5-7 and seven season in there somewhere. Yeah. I don't know if that happens under Baker Mayfield. It's intriguing. It, it's, a, it's a weird dynamic. And just, I just having flashbacks to that. Baker versus Mahomes duel, just back and forth, back and forth. See, at the time, it was so embarrassing. It seemed like a microcosm of Big 12 football and stuff like that, and it was. Now we can go look at it. But now we can look back and say, hey, that was Mahomes against Baker Mayfield. Those are two of the best quarterbacks. Those are two of the best college football quarterbacks of all time. And Baker had so many weapons at his disposal that are currently in the NFL in that game. You know, D.D. Westbrook, uh, Joe Mm -hmm. Mixon, Mark Andrews. Mm Mm-hmm. It was fireworks. It's just interesting. They didn't even have Samaje that night. Nope. He was still hurt. Yep. It's you know it's intriguing, and you'll I'll never forget that Joe Mixon one handed catch on fourth that down. Was insane. One handed catch on fourth down. He heads and he housed it. Didn't even break stride. My goodness, it's the gloves, man. Have you seen those gloves? Oh God, yeah. It's stupid, but. Yeah, I don't think the Tech fans will ever let the Baker stuff go. There, it doesn't help that they're classless assholes. And, but I, f- I, feel like, I feel like some of the fan base will let it go. But every time somebody says, oh, yeah, well, you know, you got to give Cliff Kingsbury credit for Baker Mayfield, that 
pisses me it's off. It's the same people who say, you know, try to credit someone for uh, Kyler Murray. I mean, he had... Okay, Baker had four years with Lincoln Riley. He had a semester with Kingsbury. Yes. How on God's green earth do you take the credit away from Lincoln Riley? Well, uh, he... Uh, it is so Cl- stupid. Cliff Kingsbury allowed him to walk on so he gets the credit. Yeah, that's what I think about that. That's a Mike Gunny thing. Just yep. fart into the microphone. Calling um, people jackasses. <laughs> that person was a jackass who called into the teleconference. <laughs> he fell for satire, essentially. Oh, that's good stuff. I love it. How do you feel about... Because you, you, you talked about these. You talked about the tech fans. And I've been around several fans in the Big 12, you know, going to their stadiums and hosting them in Norman. And by far... Even being around the Texas fans in the Big 12 title game in, the, in in Dallas in the Red River shootout, the Texas Tech fans are by far the worst fans I've ever been around. I would say that every other fan base in this conference is generally fine, the ones that are left over. Well, West Virginia, they can be pretty wild. They're they can wild. be obnoxious, but I generally like them and I respect them but, as like, fans. When they, I don't respect Texas Tech When they fans. tailgate, when those West Virginia fans tailgate, they are so nice and they are so inviting. Give you moonshine and shit like that? Yeah. yeah. They're so nice and so inviting. They can be, you know, there's some crazies, obviously, within that fan base, and they can be pretty obnoxious, yeah. but generally they're... I mean, they burn couches, you know? Yeah, but Texas Tech fans, I, I have zero respect for them whatsoever. Like, I mean, I was just... And See, even was, like Texas and Oklahoma State, like... Generally, people outside the Big Twelve thinks they think those fan bases are kind of classy, essentially, because right. like when they're not facing someone like OU, they're usually pretty tame. Yeah, essentially. But I feel like the Big Twelve lost its worst fan bases. They lost Missouri. Yeah, Missouri fans are assholes. They lost Colorado when Colorado's good. They're uh, really they're the bad. Worst. They're the worst. Yeah. Then A&M. A&M fans, they're not mean. They're, they're, they're a cult. They're hospitable. They're a cult. But they are a cult and they're delusional. Oh man, it's so bad. The, but yeah, seriously, they are hospitable though. Have you been to Kyle Field? They're nice people. Haven't been there. It's cool. It's cool. And I saw I saw a post on Texags though that they're they were, not a rabid fan base. I saw I'll a, say a that. post on Texags. They're I'm, just sh- I'm sure you saw the post on Tech Sags, maybe. That there the quote the the subject was how does Oklahoma do it? We overcruit them every year. <laughs> every year. Get they, out of here. They, and then one of and people were just like, they develop their talent better. Their play calling's better. And then somebody said, I think Lincoln Riley's actually still Larry Coker. He's just got a lot of talent around him. Oh, good grief. And I was like, yep, that's Texags. But I thought it was really funny. They're like, how does Lincoln Riley do it? We have this schlub Jimbo Fisher for I love messing with the Aggies. But Aggie fans, man, the last time they were in Norman, Baker Mayfield was real excited. It was was a homecoming game for them coming into Norman, and Baker would get to greet them. Who was that tight end that he played with for that one year? Oh gosh, I'm losing my mind. He plays for the he played for the Jets for Jay a minute. Samaro? A Jace Samaro, thank you. And really ba- good tight end, yeah. Baker Mayfield threw an interception early on in the year, and he's like, "Oh, yep, remember that? I remember that happening." And I'm like, "Wow, I that's the worst." And then I just remember like, these are very obnoxious people, rude to all the fans. And um, I turn around and I was like, "Are these drunk OU fans?" And I turn around and there's the Tech fans, and they were just saying the worst. Like they were, they just 
were sh- it was it was shocking to me. It was shocking. I never heard fans from an opposing fan base because you know I would I would like to think Oklahoma fans for the most part pretty hospitable, pretty nice. And so, like, if we're just like, you know... They're at the very least not disrespectful. Yeah. Texas Tech fans are blatantly disrespectful. And I just, I don't get it. Um, but how do you feel about their tortilla tossing at the games? I feel like they're wasting tortillas. I love tortillas. Are you a flour or corn tortilla flour. man? Flour. I like corn tortillas. Corn tortillas are better, I, I would say, like, for street tacos. Mm-hmm. But just uh, for multi-purpose, I would say flour. Like, if you're at, you know, a Tex-Mex place in Oklahoma, yeah. Ted's or something like that, flour's the way to go. Have you been to a, oh, what's that taco place down in Norman? It's a, their motto is damn good tacos or something like that. Oh, Torchies? Torchies. Yeah, I love Torchies. Corn tortilla every single time. Really? I do yes. flour every time there. It's I get so the, good, man. the uh, trailer park uh, hillbilly style. Yeah, if that's tor- the way if to Torchies go. wants to pay us for this plug, you know, that, that's fine too, right? I, I know? wouldn't hate it. I mean, they could pay us in tacos. I don't know. Yeah, in tacos, avocado, you know, guacamole. No avocado for me. Whoa. I'm allergic. But Whoa. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, that's okay then. That's <laughs> Not like deathly allergic, but it's like irritation. Well, we we are learning deal. things about each other on the podcast about avocados, but... Yeah, yeah, I I mean, I get it. The whole tortilla thing. It's West Texas. It makes sense. It's tradition. But at the same time, we're like, come on. The tortillas are fine. The Throwing batteries. The 9-volt, 8-volt batteries. Come on. Why? They're bad people. But why? Like, what's the point? In the, in the stadium managers, they're like, okay, it's fine. Oh, let me check your uh, fanny pack. You get, oh, you they get have to keep their helmets on on the sideline. That's outrageous to me. But whatever. Um, I've never been to a game there, and I don't plan on doing that. I'm intrigued to go. But there's no Mike Leach there anymore, so I'm less intrigued than I used to be. By the way, if you haven't read Swing Your Sword by Mike Leach, it's one hell of a read. Are we going to have him on the podcast sometime? Man, let's do it. We need to reach out. Shoot an email to their SID at Washington State. Yeah, The last time I talked to him, he was on his way back from the office and it was one hell of a talk we had talked about conspiracy theories and you're a you know you're a history teacher so you oh, can yeah. ask him all sorts of I questions i did yeah it was great he, the man loves him some geronimo and uh, other native american um, defense tactics loves it a lot it's outstanding yeah it's great but let's talk about keys to the game what are some specific things that you think will get Oklahoma, let's say, over this proverbial hump against Texas Tech? Turnovers and getting pressure. Think it's that simple? Those are, yeah, I think kind of, yeah. <laughs> Is there any offensive key, or do you think they just keep rolling? Keep rolling. I mean, they're going up against a defense that hasn't been a pushover this year. Yeah, They've been more physical. But oh, the Oklahoma offense is the Oklahoma offense, the... Offensive line, they've had a little more time to gel. They've had this bye week. Yep. Marquise Hayes has been able to heal a little bit more. He looked pretty good against UCLA, though. He did look good. So He did look good. I'm not too concerned about that. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I just don't see anyone until maybe the only defense on Oklahoma's schedule that I could really see slowing them down is Texas, honestly. Maybe, maybe Iowa State. Maybe TCU. Maybe TCU, but TCU just got lit up by Garrett or uh, Shane Bouchelle. I almost said Garrett Bouchelle, his brother, played you, baseball at OU. Oh, but uh, well, you know that's the best quarterback in the state of Texas right now. 
That's probably pocket true. passer. Pocket passer. No, pocket he, he's he's not better than Ellinger, but uh, no, he's the best. He is the best passer in the state. I'll say yeah. that. He's the best arm. Yeah, I I think that I think that's true. I think he's the best pocket passer in the state of Texas right now. I think that's correct. Uh, because Ellinger and Derek King and um, whoever the heck they have at TC right now, they have like three guys are trying out. Alex Delton. <laughs> uh, you know these guys aren't. They're not. They're Did not he play passers. at all against SMU? Delton has he played? I don't much? think so. I don't, he hasn't played that much at all. Well, that makes sense because he's not good. Well, who's the quarterback down at Baylor? Is it Brewer? Oh, Brewer. Yeah, he's good. He's hell. He's really good. He's really. But good. is he a pocket passer? He's got some. Yeah, he, I mean, he can be. Yeah, I mean, he's he's a guy who can scramble around, obviously, but he can obviously operate within the pocket as yeah. well. But I, I agree to your I agree, I agree to your keys of the game. I mean, I don't playing, think this is going to be very complicated. It's it's not a complicated game plan. I think I think it's as simple as it is, as far as a make sure you're getting pressure, which I think because Texas Tech they still play with their their with their splits a little wide because of you know how much you're going to pass the ball. And that's going to, I think Oklahoma's going to just run downhill on them as much as they can. Now, are you going to see Boston coverage? <laughs> yeah. Um, are you going to see Oklahoma mistakes? Definitely. But are you going to see Oklahoma also create negative plays and possible turnovers off these negative plays? Oh, yeah. I, I think you are 100%. Um, so, yeah, I agree. You know, I would say pressure, getting pressure on the quarterback and forcing turnovers or forcing near turn- turnovers are going to be big to this game. Offense, I do think they might have a little bit of a difficult time because UCLA's defense was bad. Uh, Keyshawn Lucier South was a massive presence against Wazoo that Oklahoma didn't have to deal with. Yeah. Um, Houston was nothing to brag home about at all. At that's, But that's to be also saying that Oklahoma had a bye week to get better and get more on track with what they want to do on offense. So. Oklahoma is probably going to. They might up, show some new wrinkles. They're going to step up their game as well on offense. So yeah, I'm not. I'm not worried about the offense, but defense. Just make the plays that are there, and everything will be fine. Really, that that's about it. Make the plays that are there, and everything will figure itself out. What you got on a score prediction? Mm. I think I'm going to go 52-17. That would be covering, but I wouldn't bet on them covering. All right, if that makes sense. Let me go Oklahoma. 52. 34. 34. Damn, all right. With Duffy? Hmm. I'm just saying. It's I think ha- you're going to see multiple turnovers. You think Probably so? Probably three, yeah. If it's a rainy day Saturday morning, that bodes well. Oh, of course. And it, it's supposed to rain, so. All right, so let's say this. If it's dry, 52-34. If it is a wet morning in Norman, Oklahoma, it turns into 56 24. Okay. And what? Is that a, that's a cover? I'm going to go 17. Yeah, I, I I really am confident in OU's defense against a guy like Jet Duffy. Because what, what's what's who has moved the ball in Oklahoma well in spots is UCLA and Houston. Did they move the ball well in Oklahoma because of their passing game? No. No, but the threat of the pass was there. The threat of the pass is not there with Texas Tech. They it's moved the different. ball well on Oklahoma because... The threat of the pass was there, and Derek King and DTR just scampered up the other field for 15, 20 yards. So, Jed Duffy, the threat of the pass is not mi- there. mildly there. I mean, he might toss that lame duck up. Mild is generous. But, um, but yeah, I mean, I, I don't really have a – I'm don't. i not fearful of his passing game. No. But at the same time – So, they can focus on 
stopping the run there. I was in. Fo- I, I they could even spy on him, kind of like they did with Derek King. I wasn't fearful of it last year either, but then you know they kept it competitive towards the end of the game. So it's a different defense, though. It is a very different defense. We said that last year after the first three games. So I'm hesitant. I understand that, but you, there are noticeable changes this year. I am shell shocked. Let me tell we're, you, we're we're all a little traumatized by the past three years. And I I was thinking about this today. Um, man, I wonder what Trey Norwood would be a part of, what be, what he would be doing, and how big of a piece he would be in this defense had be he been healthy. He'd probably be playing a lot of nickel. Nickel, uh, definitely would be spelling uh Trey Brown or something. Yeah. And you, you would have a good rotation of cornerbacks at least between Jaden Davis, Trey Brown, Parno Motley, and Trey Norwood. Those are th- those are guys you can rely on. Or honestly, you might have had Trey Norwood safety. That see the what? Yeah, he played safety against Texas. That's correct. He played safety a lot at the end of the and year. And he last gained year. a bit of weight in the offseason, so he could have helped maybe a little bit more yeah. with the run. I mean, I'm not that confident in that regard, just because he was so he was built like a twig. But uh, yeah, and those are things I just think about my my random daily commute. But uh, let's talk about recruiting at this OU Tech game because there are guys that are coming to Norman. You've got two guys that are committed to Texas, and Texas is literally in a world of hurt right now. And you've got Princely Uman Milan, uh, who's a defensive lineman who's Florida. He's Florida with the Oklahomans before, with the Oklahomans, with the Oklahoma Sooners before. And but we always thought, or I always thought, he was pretty committed to Texas. But we'll see what happens on the visit. Uh, Joshua Eaton, big time prospect out of Houston. A DB guy, you know, maybe a guy that is on a wait-and-see approach for this entire speed D that Roy Manning loves to scream at his FaceTime every night. Linebacker Antonio Daniel out of Missouri, which has treated the Sooners well, very well. The St. Louis region, for sure. Very well for the past few years. And having that Brian Odom connection, that Missouri connection, you know, that's an interesting one. And, of course, Mikey Henderson, OU commit. Swiss Army Knife. Swiss Army Knife to the extreme. He plays quarterback, and they're recruiting him to play fullback or H-back. So that guy wants to be a Sooner. And, of course, I mentioned this earlier. Dante Manning and OU are talking big time. Back, I'm not saying back in the fold. I'm not saying he's going to recommit. But like we were saying, you know, OU's keeping themselves in it with what they've done so far defensively. Oklahoma is keeping themselves in it. It's not the Stoops era anymore. Stoops era is... You shunned me. I'm turning my back on you. You're done. That's what happened with Rager. They said, don't go on the visit. Don't go on the TCU visit. He did anyways. Stoops was done. Cut him off. And Lincoln Riley's like, no, you know, if if it's not for them, it's not for them. But the door is always welcome. It's always open for more conversation. And they'll continue to recruit. And, again, Dante Manning, this situation could be a place where they reinvite him and he commits again, just like a CD lamp. That's the way Lincoln Riley does things. And, um, you know, he wants it. And he said, Dante Manning straightforward said he wants to make it back to Norman for an official. So this weekend, you can tell, is big on defense. Defensive lineman, defensive back, outside linebacker. And you're also hosting an OU commit that loves OU to its fullest extent. He can recruit a little bit. And he can recruit a little bit. Exactly. So, do I expect any booms this weekend, any eyeballs this weekend? I'm not. I'm not expecting them. Now, I was expecting one from Aaron Parks, and I just totally dropped the ball on that one. 
Which I was is able a, to get a which is a funny story. Pretty quick, so it's all good. <laughs> Jack's like, "Hey, uh, do you do you write this up on Aaron Parks?" And I was like, "Oh, I was gonna do that tomorrow because I knew he was gonna commit very soon." And then he was like, "Well, he just committed." I was like, "Oh shit, I dropped the ball." <laughs> so, but hey, recruiting posts take like ten minutes <laughs> at the most. No, not it's much. not a huge deal. They're not much, but I was like, "Oh damn, okay, oops." But yeah, five quality offensive linemen, four-star kids that are just all over the nation. Bill Beatembo doing freaking work, man. Five four-stars. One Andrew Rame who... Should be a five-star. Yeah, Best absolutely. kid out of Oklahoma. Absolutely. Bill Beatembo's stacking it. Just stacking it. Killing the game. No longer are the days of them turning tight ends like Brody Eldridge and Lane Johnson into offensive linemen. Not that there was anything wrong with that, by the way. They were both very good. He just wants big, mean men, and he's getting those big, mean men. And like, because we thought Jonah Monheim for the long, the Monheim steamroller. You gave him a nickname. I did. I'm and still proud of it. He went. He went to USC, and then he says, "All right, I'll do you one better. I'll get a guy committed that." perform better at these camps and is highly and is higher rated than Jonah. So we'll see how it works out. But uh right now, just right now, Texas is injured. All and of Texas. Specifically. Arguably. And this is bad news. And here's the here's the reason why. So Anwar Richardson tweeted out Tom Herman said Caden Stearns will be out for four weeks with a tibia injury. Or four weeks. Well F O R. He, he he later said typo four weeks. So oh yeah. okay. Now with a tibia injury, Josh Thompson broken foot, gonna miss a lot of time. Jalen Green dislocated shoulder out for four weeks. Marcus Tillman MCL sprain will be out for the rest of the year. Uh, Tillman's a linebacker, and the rest of these guys are defensive backs. Caden Stearns, Josh Thompson, no, most notable starters. Very important players, especially Caden Stearns. And let's couple that. The person that. who probably should have been the Big 12 preseason yeah. defensive player of the year. I, I, but that's what I named him. Gra- granted, Kenneth Murray, I think, has been better so mm-hmm. far. And on top of this, Texas was one of the last in the country in defensive production returning. And now you pile these guys onto the injury list. And it's not like they were killing the game defensively as is. No way. They were not. Now, could I see maybe them having this bye week and resting up and then trying to suit up for Oklahoma in basically three weeks and seeing if it's worth it and playing at 70%? I could see them doing that. At the same time, could I see them say, yeah, maybe they'll go and they won't go? I could see that happening too because that's happened for the past however many years. But it's just, it's interesting and it's not good for Texas um and it's just you know it's it's just like what do you say like oh yeah this guy's hurt this guy's out this guy broke his foot this guy tore his mcl it's just like what the hell like and this is a problem with tom herman remember when he was at houston he sold out his entire off season on that team running those tom herman death camps as practices that way he had them operating at mid-season form to play Oklahoma at NRG with Houston, and they went and beat the Sooners physically. And then they fell off after and that. And they fell apart mid-season. He beat the shit, and I know this for a fact, he beat the shit out of Texas. This offseason ran his Tom Herman death camp once again. Trying to beat LSU. Selling out to beat LSU. 
War didn't work out. And now you have guys dropping like flies on the field against Oklahoma State, which, albeit, is not the most physical Big 12 team in the conference. In Austin, it's not like they're a different, you know, opponent stadium where they don't pump air conditioning into the visitors' locker rooms. I'm not, I don't know how that worked. Who the hell knows? What but it's just like, wow, shocking. I mean, good news for Oklahoma in a couple weeks, but it, it, part of you hates to see it because you want to see best on best. Also, part of you wants to see Oklahoma win, so you don't really care that much. I'd like to see another 65-13. I'm down for it. And so it's just, it's just, man, it's crazy. And then talking about crazy, Paul Feinbaum and his show has always been nuts. Phyllis, Rammer, Bammer, Rammer, Jammer, Bammer, Hammer, whatever the hell they say. Yellow Hammer. Yeah. Uh, Paul Feinbaum basically doing a mental health check via tweet on our good old boy Barry Trammell, who does write some pretty good stuff. I'll give him that. Writes some pretty great stuff in the Oklahoma sometimes. He's a good storyteller. He is very good. And he is not a good football mind, though. Paul Feinbaum says he tweets Barry Trammell and says, Barry Trammell with one of the more unique top 10 lists we've seen this year so far. Spot anyone missing? And then he has a quote from Barry that says, I base my rankings on what teams have done this year, not last year. Well, let's read them off 1 through 10. Number 1, Auburn. Number two, LSU. Number three, the California Bears. They have looked kind of good, but that's that's still absurd. Number four, Clemson. Number five, Georgia. Number six, Wisconsin. Number seven, Florida, who has looked garbage, by the way. Number eight is Iowa, which is just like the most Iowa thing ever. Number nine, USC, who's already lost a game. And number 10, K-State, who has played nobody but Mississippi State, right? But they look good doing it. Like, I understand what he's trying to do here. But get, even, get even by that logic, how would you have Clemson ahead of Georgia and Wisconsin? It's Barry, dude. There's no Alabama here. There's no OU here. Like, he's... I, I don't understand why he's trying to die on this hill. I guess maybe it's for attention or something Attention like clicks. Who, who knows? But, like... Uh, yeah, I'm I'm trying to pay it no mind, but I can't because it's everywhere. Like, I just don't... I base my rankings on what teams have done this year and not last this year. This isn't what the top 25 is. It is it is who... It's a combination of what they've done and what you think they are. Yeah. That's essentially what it is. And he's taking out the second part of the equation for said, no oh, reason. Oh, what, what have they done? Have they played a good non-con schedule is basically what this list is. is that, isn't that right? Have they played a good non-con, or have the first three games of the season been decent opponents? That's basically what this boils down to, right? It just seems pointless. I, I don't... It's a don't talking know. point. Yeah. That's I all guess. it is. One thing that I am a little interested in, I was thinking about this earlier today with Clemson. Okay. They, if I'm not mistaken, they don't have a ranked team left on their schedule. Oh, the ACC is garbage. Horrible. So... When we see these college football playoff rankings start rolling out midseason, Clemson, obviously, they're the defending national champions. They returned a lot of talent. Everyone knows they're great, even though they've kind of looked shaky at times. But everyone knows they're great. 
How much is the playoff committee going to penalize them for their strength of schedule, knowing that they are the defending national champions? Mm-hmm. How are they going to approach that? You know, I'm, I'm interested to see whether they really enforce all of that if they apply it to Clemson. That's a good question because they've been awfully kind to Clemson in the past. It seemed like. No, yeah, that's a good question. You know, I don't, I don't know how they do that. That's that's that's, that's rather odd. Like, will they start them out at, like, number four if there are four undefeated Power 5 teams? I mean, because they haven't played anyone. Their only team they've played is Texas A&M, and they're not playing anyone between now and then. So, you know, I honestly... It doesn't really matter because it'll all work itself out in the end, and they're going to go with the four teams that make the most sense. They're not going to pick the four most deserving. They're not going to pick the four best they're going to pick the four that makes sense right that's how they really do it this whole four best team things is more of just a marketing slogan than anything else i mean you know clemson's going to get in regardless Yeah, of course they're not going to lose to anyone um yeah they're not going to lose anyone and i think that's i don't know it's just it's a four it's just a thing that popped into my head i don't know how are they going to apply it to clemson right they're they're not they're not previous titles you know, um, UCLA versus Wazoo. Did you actually tune into the end of that game? No, I didn't. I, I, I had to wake up at 5 a.m. on Sunday morning for work. So I fell asleep like in the second quarter of that game. Then I woke up and saw all these tweet notifications on my phone. And the reaction to that was not unlike my reaction to waking up to seeing the Paul George trade news. <laughs> it was that shocking based on what I had seen up to that point. I mean, and like, yeah, we talked about this earlier. When DTR gets time in the pocket, he's pretty effective and he has some really good weapons to work with as well. Yeah. He's got some good skill position players there. Yeah. When Joshua they, Kelly's a good running back. When they roll the he's pocket, he's got some really good receivers. And give him time to throw and let him be his athlete and find just guys wide open down the seam. <laughs> yeah, it works great. I mean, if their offensive line can click, maybe they could hit six wins. I don't know. But, I mean, I just. They I was playing the Pac 12 South, which sucks. I went over to one of my buddies' house. Uh, he uh, He's. His ad is at Thundermob405. He writes for hoops habit and stuff like that you know he's he's a good dude he's trying he's getting credentialed to go cover okc stuff you know and um we um we were watching the game at his house and uh, we were watching the osu game at his house the osu texas game eating brisket it was fantastic by the way and uh he i went home and later that night he's like hold up he texted he said hold up are you watching this and i was like what are you talking about? Or why are you watching this? He said, are you watching this UCLA game right now? I was like, no, I turned it off. It was 49-17. No, I'm not watching that. He's like, change the damn channel right now. <laughs> and then I was like, okay. And, and it was 38-49. And they had like, somebody turned the ball over. Or somehow UCLA got the ball back, threw a bomb downfield, and they're immediately inside Wazoo's five-yard line. And that's when the fun started. Oh my gosh, it was so fun to watch. And then 
I kept on thinking of Mike Leach and his his rants while he was at Texas Tech in the locker room, and I was thinking, oh my God, he is going to literally sacrifice a goat and a player in the locker room after the game. That's d- disbelief. You're winning forty nine to seventeen. You break Gardner Minshew's like record late in the third. Yeah. Like- <laughs> Like in the fans, nobody in that stadium was thinking UCLA can come a back. A lot of people pulled the whole OU leave at halftime yeah. go to O'Connell's routine. And boy, man! But it showed that it showed what DTR was capable of, and it showed you what he's capable of if he had a good system. So you know, DTR, Dorian Thompson Robinson. I heard a, I hear he's a pretty good quarterback guru in Norman. I'm just. I'm not saying anything, but I'm saying something. Every so. quarterback rumor circles back to Norman. Of course. We it. just have to live with this. There's a quarterback whisperer there. I don't know. We just have to live I don't with know it his... and roll our eyes and just let it pass. I don't know his don't name. give it any attention. But I hear that he's really good. <laughs> the quarterback whisperer in Norman. Um, something that's been pissing me off a lot. SEC isn't that great. Besides their top teams. We know this. We've been saying Bama, Georgia, LSU, they're not very good after that. We've been saying this for a long time. What makes me upset is Kirk Herbstreit, I believe, was on the call for OSU Texas. And they're like, yo, it could be another real big fun Big 12 game, high scoring. It wasn't. Um, LSU, one of the bell cows of the SEC, Puts up 66 points. They give up 38 points to Vanderbilt. And nobody bats a freaking eye. Oh, you would have been crucified for that score. Nobody bats an eye. Like, if you want to talk about proverbial, like, Big 12 score bullshit, that's exactly what it is. 66 to 38 to, like, the worst team in your conference? Of course. Now, granted, a lot of those came in the second half, but Oklahoma wouldn't get the benefit of the they doubt wouldn't. on that like, at all. Like, oh, look what they did against Kansas last year. They were still like, dude, dude, get that crap out of here. It makes me angry that nobody's acknowledging this. Some people have, but nobody in the national media that's going to make it relevant has latched onto this and saying, they're uh, just like, wow, LSU plays offense now. Yeah, instead of, oh, wow, the 38 points they gave up to freaking Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt! This is not Kentucky, who's been recently pretty okay. This is not either Mississippi schools, which one of them sucks. This is not even like George, Florida, whose offense has been bad, regardless of who their quarterback is. Not even Tennessee. Well, they might be better than Tennessee. Yeah. <laughs> this is horrible. Vanderbilt, who has not been good for a very long time. They have been at the bottom of the barrel of the SEC year after year after year. And they scored 38 points against LSU, and everybody's like, yeah, that's fine. Well, if the score is 66 to 40, maybe somebody says something, but those two little points matter so much. I'm angry. I'm fit to be tied. Yeah, I'm not I'm not thrilled about it. Like, how 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 can you how how can you as ESPN, the spin zone of the SEC, ESPN SEC, how can you not say Oh, you know, like that's a lot of points they give up for an SEC school. SEC defense just means more. I don't think I've heard a word from the national media on it. Fuckers. <laughs> that's how I feel about it. It's just, it's unreal to me. But, you know, I'm going to move on because I'm really angry. And we'll talk about Jonathan Perkins, who means a lot to the Oklahoma program. He is transferred today. With all the rotation that you've seen, in the defense, 
the fact that he hasn't made an appearance yet tells you something. <laughs> yeah. I mean, so many rotations on linebackers. And I think I, I think I remember seeing him on the field once or twice. Not he wasn't in the game log. So, so the, maybe he the, didn't make so a the, tackle or anything. Well, no. So that means that the he didn't make the participation log. The sports oh. information department, every one of them, they assign someone to watch the players. They give you binoculars. Mm-hmm. I did it at Georgia Tech a little bit. It's not as easy as you would think. You basically have a roster in front of you. You have the binoculars, and you cross people off, mm. essentially. Mm. I don't think I've ever missed anyone, but I could easily see it happening. I, I And basically, that's he's, how... He's number 29, right? Yeah. I, I remember seeing him on the field. You did? Once. Yeah, see, the logger missed it then, because he is not registered as entering yeah. the game because okay. OU keeps that log on go to Soonersports.com interesting. look up stats go to the HTML one there's a tab oh. for participation ooh interesting yeah and he is We're not learning on there. things here that's a he thing did, he did yeah he was not logged as entering the game in any of those three yeah. and that's how they keep track of like uh, red shirts and stuff like that yeah. it's basically the sports information department inputs that data they have it in like a file uh-huh. and they send that to compliance and then compliance sends that to the NCAA. Yep. That's essentially how that works. Perkins entered the game definitely South Dakota, but I don't know about the other games. Yeah, because yeah, someone on Facebook was telling me this, and I was just like, oh, whatever. It's fucking Facebook commentary. Yeah. But like, uh, yeah, apparently, I mean, yeah. I've heard multiple people say that they saw him. I mean, but... And, but yeah, and there's yeah, there's a chance that the logger didn't yeah. catch it, but... But here's what it boils down to. Here's what it boils down to. Oklahoma is establishing depth on the front seven on defense... And with Grinch, with Dante Manning maybe coming back to Oklahoma, we don't know for sure. But with Grinch, with the guys they're come they're having come in, they're developing a lot more depth as far as what Grinch said they needed to happen. And it's to the point where John Michael Terry, Nick Benito, uh, David Aguebu, you know Ronnie Perkins, you know, bro, sorry, it's not gonna happen. So any seesaw the writing on the wall as soon as David he's Aguebu. far from home too. Yeah. He's probably that that, add, that kind of thing adds to the homesickness too. So I mean, I it's it's easy to picture. So this. I mean, like good luck to wherever he goes. He's he, it's not going to be an eighty Miller situation where he tries to go somewhere and he comes back. Um, it's just the writing is on the wall, you know. It it, it is what it is. But we had some hot takes and questions from you guys, and we will end the podcast. Before we off get to that, can we talk about all the wild shit that was on social media today? That let's was talk just about so it. perplexing. Let's t- let's talk about your boy, uh, oh. AB. Oh my god, <laughs> Antonio Brown. I don't even understand the point he was trying to convey there. <laughs> CTE is a hell of a drug. This man, I knew, I knew. I had. We're I had, not even talking about the Bob Kraft thing here. We're talking about Billy Madison. I had. I knew Antonio Brown was going down a weird path two years ago, and I was thinking, you know, as long as he just plays for the the black and gold, it'll be okay. And then he got super weird around the cameras for you know the uh, oh what's the show on HBO. Hard, Hard knocks. knocks. He got super weird, but I think that's just him in front of the cameras, showing you know, up in a hot air balloon. He likes cameras, so I was like, okay, that's Antonio Brown on cameras. And then he goes to the Patriots. I'm like, okay, they'll make they'll make it work because it's the Patriots. They have a status. And they let it clearly known. And then all of a sudden, these new allegations come forth, and they're like, the Patriots, are like, we don't want anything to do with it. No, 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 no. 
And then he says, all right, I'm done with the NFL. And he Snapchat, he did it via Snapchat. You could tell it was a poor job. Snapchat edited his head on top of Billy Madison's head. In the class. In a classroom. <laughs> it, 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 and the caption didn't, it, there was no connection to the image with the caption. I, yeah, there was no Billy Madison quote. He, he is off his rocker. The man just... He's like, a Landry Jones' future receiver with the Dallas Renegades. What do you think? <laughs> it just like makes me sad because like, I think of Ricky Williams, but Ricky Williams just had the drug thing, and I saw the Ricky Williams um, you know, documentary. Well, Ricky Williams had mental health issues. He too. did. Yeah. And, and, and honestly, Antonio Brown might have him too. But Ricky Williams, like he, he did some soul searching and used lots of weed, as he said in his documentary, and he came back and played well. He did. He finished his career quite nicely, and he's doing well in life right now. Yeah. And then, um, but oh, man, Antonio, I'm I'm concerned. At the same point, I wish the Steelers organization would just burn down to the ground, like the the offensive side, anyways. Like, man, it's so bad. It was painful to watch that game. This oh oh, oh against your Niners. Not my Niners. Well, you have a Jimmy Garoppolo. Oh, that's true. Bobblehead. I have a Jimmy G bobblehead. What are you a fan of? I'm a Chiefs fan. Oh, oh that's even better. I Pat Mahomes. Yeah, fan exactly. Too. But uh, no, not a Niners fan. I just went to a game last year. But I mean, like they lost against the Niners, who was the most fraudulent three and O team in Pittsburgh's zero three, but they traded the first round draft pick. So, who is the most fraudulent hot start NFL team you can think of? Probably the Bears in like oh six or whatever. Mm. The we are who they thought they were team mm-hmm. that Dennis Green called them out one hundred percent. Yeah, they weren't actually any good. Rex Grossman was their quarterback. Yeah, yeah Rex, good old Rex. They had boy. a good defense. They had Tommy Harris. I mean, yep. But then uh, also on Twitter, this is from Bunky Perkins. He's an SB Nation guy. Ole Miss guy. He lives in Tulsa, though. He posts this thing on Twitter. Hashtag text from my brother. His brother texts him. So Marcus Dupree came to class and gave some unhinged speech yesterday. Apparently he was a motivational speaker at like an elementary school or something like that. Says he asked the class if anyone knew who Ric Flair was and had them raise their hand. Then he had half the class say Ric Flair and the other half say woo, woo. <laughs> then, then he closed it by <laughs> telling the kids not to drink beer until they're 18. <laughs> now, in fairness, when Marcus Dupree was at OU in 1982, I'm pretty sure the legal age for beer in the state of Oklahoma was 18. And I think okay. it was 21 for liquor. You know so maybe he was though? confused. That reminds me That's of just very party. funny, just envisioning what like the principal and the teachers thought when he said, hey, wait until you're 18 to drink beer. Saying this to children. It reminds me of I the think it's really boy. funny. It's good advice. Yeah, 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 it's good. Teaching them about Ric Flair and saying, hey, don't drink until you're 18. All of that, both of those things seem like okay, but yeah. things that are maybe frowned upon. Yeah, by like I elementary mean, schools. When's it, last it's time, funny to me. When's I don't last know. time you saw the Water Boy? The Water Boy. Ooh, Adam Sandler. That's one of his. That's one of his movies that hasn't been terrible yet. I mean, like the most recent movies kind of been garbage, but 
it's yeah. before he tried to... He's had a lot of money grabs lately mm-hmm. in the last, like, 15, 20 years. But, like, mm-hmm. uh... Oh, I mean, I probably saw it on TV, like, five years ago or something like that. And he goes to L- he goes to LT's camp, Lawrence Taylor's camp. Oh, yeah! And, then, like, he rambles on and on. Don't smoke crack. And, and then... Then LT got arrested for crack, like, a month yeah, later. Yeah, like, he's talking to the kids... And the kids all look confused because Bobby Boucher's rambling on in his Cajun accent, and and LT's like, which brings me to my next kid, my next point, kids, don't smoke crack, and that's what that made me think of. We're not kind of makes s- me think of that too. I'm not saying by any means is he on crack. No, Marcus Dupree's got his shit together. He's got his stuff together, but it just reminded me of it. But it yeah. just cracks me up that he so told them funny. to wait till 18. So funny. But uh, you, you ready for some of these hot takes? Yeah, like, we asked for questions on Twitter, and people just responded by making statements instead of asking questions. Well, I asked for hot takes and some questions. Oh, okay, well, that makes more sense. That's on me for not paying attention. So, Zane Leslie, who I actually know personally, at Zane underscore V4. I didn't know if this is a hot take or not. He said, Baker Mayfield will be an all-pro QB. Is that a hot take? When? Maybe this, let's say this season. Not with that offensive line, he's not going to be. Man, those tackles are garbage. So bad. So bad. Did you see Rex Ryan's bullshit take? That he's overrated. That was so Rex fucking Ryan, weird. Rex Ryan, you're from Oklahoma, and I am so disappointed in you. <sighs> we shun you to Texas. No, worse, Kansas. They're flat. Yeah. Kansas is worse than Texas. And it's just like, the, the, the Ryan brothers, I'm just like, I'm so disappointed. And like... Who, I can't remember who it was that was like looked at that segment and was like, this man is off his damn rocker. No, Baker Mayfield's not overrated. His offensive line sucks. You put two bookends on that offensive line that are worth a damn or just and average. the play calling is booty as just, well. Just just average average bookends on the offensive line in the, in the play calling that Freddie Kitchens has taken. You have a from. line that can't protect, but you're calling for long routes that take a lot of time to develop. What do you expect them to it's do? It's not going to work. So, I mean... Baker has to run for his life. I expect them to roll the pocket a lot more, and then, but Freddie Kitchens has said, hey, I got to be better at the same time as their tackles have to be better. Uh, but I think this year being... They need all, to get Trent Williams. I think they're... I think I think Baker Mayfield this year being an All Pro QB, I think it's a really spicy take. But next year, if they do get a tackle, maybe a right tackle or left tackle, they need to do something in the draft. But um, I would say it's not out of the realm of possibility. This one by the Pirate Pied Piper at Duncan Rowan thirteen, he DM'd me this one said Neville Gallimore could turn himself into a second to third round pick if he keeps this level play up. I completely agree. I, I think it's a fair take. I can't wait to watch him at the combine. As oh, fast as freak. he can run, complete, and freak. he's down a little bit of weight. Do you, could you see him playing more of a defensive end role in the NFL though, at his size? I can, man, because yes, I could. I could see him play defensive end, and he could be effective at it too. Yeah, uh, I don't. He's think, quick enough. He wouldn't be a nose tackle. No, no, he's NFL. not big enough. No, he's like two ninety right now, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah, not big enough. And but I could see him one hundred percent being a defensive end. If hey, hear me out. If um, Duvante Lampkin can make somewhat of a career in the NFL, if Stacy McGee can make somewhat of a decent career, he was in the league for. Is he still in the league? I don't no, know. He's, he's, he's not. But no, he was but in the league for a minute. 
he was in the league with for the Raiders. probably six, seven years. Yeah, I mean, he had that's, a good career. That's your, you've got your pension. You, I mean, like yeah, you, I think it's four years to get your NFL yeah, pension. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, he's he did quite well for himself. And if those guys can make it, Neville Gallimore one hundred percent can. Now, it's that second or third round pick. If he plays like this in Big Twelve play, if he is basically indestructo man and is living in the backfield still, I buy that. I buy that. I'm on board. You're looking for a disruptive guy that can run and quick and be athletic as all get out. That's what he is. And then this one's a question. It's my favorite question I've received probably ever in a long time. This is my type of question. From Crimson and Keefe. And then in these brackets. We joke right there. In, in, in brackets, they had dad. Um, from at Oak. Oak Stephen Ray. I thought it was Oak State Even Ray, but it's Oak Stephen Ray. They say, who'd win? Mike Ditka or a hurricane named Mike Ditka? I feel like there are layers to this. <laughs> um, sheer strength. I'm going with hurricane Mike Ditka. Okay. As far as resiliency, I don't know. Mike Dick is pretty tough. I feel like he could ride out a hurricane. Where's he mm. from? He's he's from the Midwest, obviously, like Rust Belt. But where specifically? Yeah. Ooh, that's a good question. I'm doing some Googling right now, and you can probably hear my keyboard typing in he's, the background. He's not from the Gulf Coast or anything like that, obviously. Mike Ditka. Although he did spend some time in New Orleans. How, did I, how did I know that's where he was from? Steel Town. Yeah. Aliquippa, Pennsylvania. Ah, the Quip. Which is... Not hurricane country, obviously. Which is really interesting uh, because... Oh, okay, I'm going to expose myself on the pod, not... Okay, not like to is, me. This is awkward. Yeah. But whatever. You ever watch a show called Friday Night Tykes? I'm aware of it, but no, I've not watched it. <laughs> I have a... I like to watch a show. I've said it. It's out there. It, it's not necessarily for the kid competition. I want to see how dramatic grown-ass men get over Little League football games. And Aliquippa it's, it's was... pretty pathetic. Aliquippa yeah. was one of the teams. The, the Quips. They bleed football up there, Oh, they the do. Way, they the do. Rust Belt. Especially those towns where all the... Mill towns. Fa- factories have closed yeah. and stuff like that. All they've got is football. Because you had Taifa in San Antonio. Football and broken glass. Yeah, yeah, Taifa in San Antonio. And they're like, yeah, let's go northeast. And they go to the, you know, that stuff. And all these empty steel mills. And half the teams are named the Steelers because they love the Steelers and stuff like that. But, man, I love that. But um, I think the hurricane named Mike Ditka would win just because of sheer force. I don't know if Mike Ditka's a good swimmer. I don't think so either. He might not have to swim, though. He might get to high ground. I don't know. Don't think he's a good swimmer. I I don't yeah I don't envision him being a great swimmer. But um man, we're at an hour and a half and uh, that's all I got. You know you got anything else? Uh, I think I'm good. What are your plans for the weekend? Football. Oh yeah, I'm going to show at Tower on Thursday too. You ever been to the Tower? Never been. What is it? It's the most historic venue in Oklahoma City for music. It's on Twenty Third. Apparently, I lost myself. Uptown 23rd. You ever hang out on 23rd go to those bars? Not really. 
Hmm. I go there quite a bit. Maybe I should experiment. Yeah, yeah. Tower's awesome though. It's a really good like mid-sized venue. Oklahoma City's blowing up with mid-sized venues now. We got Tower, got Criterion, got a uh, Jones Assembly. A lot of good acts are finally coming to Oklahoma City now. When previously they would all be up in Tulsa at Canes or Brady. So we sure. don't have to travel sure. to Tulsa for concerts anymore. Yeah. I mean, my, my weekend is going to be uh, full of probably mowing the lawn and waking my neighbors up before the football game, watching lots of football and grading papers, and then just doing all this thing over again next week. You know? Are the kids respectful to you at school? Man, that's a good question. Because I'm a laid-back person. So, like, what some people might take as disrespect, I just take it as, like, you just, like, don't know how to control yourself. So sometimes, are they disrespectful? Yeah, they're teenage kids. At the same time, um, it is, like, no, not really. Like, typically, I develop a reputation of, like, being very laid-back. And then the people are like, yeah, don't mess with them, he's cool. Like, all right, (laughs) I'm going to say this on the podcast. And I, I'm not going to get in trouble because it's just a funny thing that happened to me. One of the students said a few weeks ago in my seventh hour, they said, hey, uh, Mr. Robbie. And I was like, hey, what's up? And uh, he's like, hey, uh, our teacher's drug tested. And I said, <laughs> I said, well, yeah, actually I was. My first year in the profession, I was drug tested. And I said, but I haven't been drug tested since. We take background checks now, you know, just to make sure we're not weird people. And he's like, oh, okay. And I was like, why are you asking this question? I knew the answer. I knew why he was going to ask the question, but I just wanted to, I just wanted to hear it. And he said, you spoke pot, Mr. Moravia. <laughs> and so like, I'm like. You get the rep of the chill teacher, then that question arises. So the, the, I was like, I just kind of laughed and I was like, no, but is it because I'm so laid back? And is it because I'm just like chilled out? And he's like, yeah. And I was like, that's what I thought. So no, I don't really, I don't really have a problem with disrespect. You know, it's just like, in the kids that are like have maturity issues, it's just like, we talk to them and try to work on it day by day. But for the most part, I'll, I hang out with them. They're good, they're good folks, man. I love my job. I don't know how I deal with it. I hate teenagers, <laughs> so I feel like I would like blow up and like insult them or something like that. I mean, I love my job. I mean, and I'm working with, you know, teenagers, 16-year-olds every day, and I love it. They're funny, man. They're hilarious. They show me memes. They email me memes. It's funny. I like it. It's good times. Different strokes for different folks. <laughs> Quoting Antonio Brown I, there. Yeah, I, I, I guess, <laughs> man. But, hey, man, that about wraps us up, right? Follow us on crimsonandcreammachine.com. It's all brought to you guys by SB Nation. They put out a lot of great stuff, whatever it is. Um, when I'm not dropping the ball in commitment posts, you can find Jack on Twitter at CC Machine or his personal handle at J Larry Shields. I'm Common Robin at K Robin. I can't speak at K Robin CCM. Also follow Alan Kenny at Blatant Homerism. He drops odds every week with his brother, and it's some pretty good stuff. They goofed in the first week, but they got a little bit more on track in the second week with their podcast. So. We're on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play. Give us a five-star rating and review. We really appreciate it, and we'll check you guys later.